Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's up, boys and girls? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Panel and Fit Network. Let's see, last week's episode um, with Fluke Master. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen to it. I do have to apologize. It was actually my first episode recorded this year. Like I know I had already a few uh, episodes coming out this year, but they were recorded last year. Um, this one was actually recorded. Uh, the one with Flugmaster Gene Jensen was actually recorded this year. And I must have messed up my mic settings. So I know my voice might have been blown out. So the quality on my end was not that good. So I apologize for any of you that listened to it. If, uh, if you haven't listened to it, you can still check it out. I mean, it's not that bad. And it's great information from Gene Jensen. I mean, a lot of great information that Gene Jensen shared on that episode. But just want to start off apologizing about that last week's audio. This week, I got another special guest, as always, Silas Garrett. He just won the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League. I hope I got that right. Um, and it was the, the first one this year. It was in Fayette. Uh, power plant lake so we're going to be talking about silas about his big win um and how he he accomplished it and we're going to be talking about fishing on power plant lakes in winter that's something that i'm not used to and i know it can be very different um fayetteville last year or Fayette, fayetteville i keep saying that lake fayette last year i think was a great tournament as far as numbers wise. And I'll, I'll have to ask Silas about this, but I think it was like, there were guys putting up like 104, 105 inches, something like that. Um, and I think he took part in that tournament too. But anyway, Silas was here last year. He won Fairfield. And I think it was also for the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League um, tournament. So I'm glad to have him back again. It's another great angler in Texas. Um, I know I'm biased because I'm from Texas, but we really do have some amazing anglers here. And um, it is hard to get a win. It is hard to stand out in Texas when it comes to tournament fishing. So happy to have him on. Uh, happy that he won. 
again, great angler, great person to talk to, great guest. Um, always enjoys having um, conversation with Silas, especially when he's on the show. As far as my week goes, uh, if you hear me a little bit congested, that's because I'm probably going through COVID. Um, I'm still waiting for the test results. I've had COVID, let's see, today's Thursday. I've had COVID since Sunday evening, or at least flu-like symptoms since Sunday evening. I've never had a flu-like symptoms for this prolonged time. So it really sucks. I don't wish it upon anybody. So everybody out there, stay safe, hopefully. At some point, this crap will be over. But yeah, I'll do my best to keep focused on the show and still bring you great content. And I'll rely heavily on Silas' personality and knowledge on this one. So since I'm going to be a little bit congested here throughout the episode. So anyways, thank you again for joining us. Uh, before we bring Silas, big shout out to my sponsor, Douglas Rod. Go, go to DouglasOutdoors.com to check out their full lineup. And um, they're amazing rods. So we'll go to a quick commercial, bring Silas back in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, buddy? How's it going? What's up, man? Doing all right? Pretty good, man. Happy to have you back on the show, man. Heck yeah. Big congratulations on your big win. Yeah, thank I, you. I always mispronounce that. Like, I don't know why. It's because I work at the airport, and I'm always thinking of Fayette. I always say Fayetteville, because um, uh, that's one of the destinations we fly to. So that name always comes up. It's like it's Fayette, right? Lake yeah, Fayette. Fayette. Yep. always get that confused. The power plant lake, man. Tell us, tell us about your big win. First of all, man, how did it, how are you comfortable feeling on those power plant lakes um, in winter? I mean, uh, Fayette in general, I mean, generally fish is always pretty good. I mean, any time of the year, they're always running the power plant. Uh, You can kind of catch them however you want to. I mean, most days, you know, you can go out there, you know, flip shallow reeds. It has hydrilla. Uh, of course, everybody knows about the offshore bite there. Um, yeah, just fish your strengths type of lake. You fished that tournament or that lake last year in a tournament, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think I can't, I'm trying to remember if it was the Southeast Texas Kayak Pass League. God, that's a long name. Or the TKC, uh, which is also um, hosted by Chris Morales. Yeah, um, one of those two ones, mm-hmm. which I can't remember. And I, if I remember correctly, I think it was a great turnout as far as numbers-wise goes. Like, it's a, like, I think it was like, a, like the top two or three got over three hundred. I mean, three hundred over. Well, yeah, with three hundred, but over a hundred each one, something like that. You remember? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've we kind of start on that lake every year, so like four yeah. in a row, we've been there in January, and just about every year it takes a hundred inches to win. It's a great lake. Um, it doesn't get a lot of recognition nationally on tournaments like, uh, uh, let's say, uh, Fork or OHIV, which actually blowing up, and even Possum Kingdom. But it is really a local lake that it produces big bass, uh, from what I've heard of. I've never fished it. Um, I'm dying to go fish it, uh, especially on winter. Uh, 
what is what's the big difference fishing like a normal lake to a power plant lake when it relates to winter so relating to winter um, you know most lakes right now in texas we kind of had like a the, the winter was slow to start um so it's just now water temps are starting to drop everywhere now fayette uh its water temps are still in like 65 you know maybe low 60s on a really cold day but um from what i could tell they're either uh have just spawned or slightly post-spawn at fayette right now uh really? you know, I, yeah i was actually seeing fry in the reeds really wow yeah so i don't know if all of them have spawned yet but i know at least one round has gone up there and spawned wow yeah maybe not the masses that usually you know go through phases start off and then goes to that middle section where it's like most of them are spawning and then start strickling off yeah that's crazy man in january and i i can't even imagine in the and i guess that's why it's so productive late because i mean those fish those bass can feed literally all year long. Like they don't go to winter hibernation unless it's something like last year, you know, when we had that snowmageddon and maybe a, something like that would get him into a week or two of winter hibernation. But for the most part, they're not, they're not going to winter hibernation. I would imagine I'm not, I'm no marine biologist or expert on the science of bass. Right. But it's, I mean, that's what makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of fish in that lake and a lot of bait. So, I mean, there's gizzard shad there that are, you know, 14 inches long and every kind of species you want to, uh, as far as bait. So what to you was the key um, for to winning the tournament? Like what, what did you start? Let's start from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. What did you, what did you saw in pre-fishing if you got a chance to pre-fish? Um, what did you start it with? Uh, first of all, let's talk about that. What, what was your first bait of choice? Yeah, so um, I kind of actually figured the, the, the wind was going to come shallow. Um, you know, I had gotten out there maybe about two, three weeks ago, and I was catching uh, not fish on beds, but, uh, you know, uh, big girls roaming uh, by the reeds. Uh, if I could find a little bit of grass, that was like more of the ticket. So, you know, I kind of went... Uh, on Sunday with the ambition to flip reeds and maybe throw a chatterbait in the grass. Um, and that's, go ahead, I'm sorry. That, that was the main goal uh, for me. Uh, of course, whenever I got there, stuff kind of changed a little bit, but um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I started off shallow. I was thinking shallow. Uh, I was actually throwing a chatterbait, um, you know, kind of on maybe like the back third, of a little pocket, um, mm -hmm. they're on a chatterbait. And what was weird is, uh, they weren't hitting it whenever I was reeling fast. It, it wasn't like a, a cadence thing, but if I would pull that thing all the way up to the surface and just kill it, they were like hitting it right next to the boat. So I was actually, you know, some, they would actually grab it and some, they would, uh, they would just nip the back and then go, you know? So, uh, that morning I had like maybe three 20 inch fish bite, but I'd only landed one. And so I was kind of frustrated in the morning, uh, to say the least. Uh, but that kind of like started dying off, uh, midday. And so I just started thinking, okay, well, let's, let's go find the ones that like on secondary points and, 
you know, maybe uh, fish that are either moving up or have just moved off uh, type of pattern. So I just scanned for, I mean, literally hour and a half uh, before I really found something that looked good. And all it was was a single little blob sitting on the bottom and it was about an 18 foot of water. Uh, so I just threw a jig in there and sure enough, caught a, a 15 incher. I was like, okay, this is something. Uh, release that fish real quick, threw back in. And literally, as soon as my jig hit the water, um, I got bit and it was a 21 incher. And so, of course, at that point, I was like, all right, it's game on. And uh, yeah, just started looking on my graph. And, uh, you know, once again, I was sitting out in the deeper water. But I kept on noticing that my bites were coming on. Like, so there, I was sitting next to a shelf. It was sitting in about 10 foot of water. I'm sitting in 18. Well, most of my bites were coming on top of that shelf. Well, the wind had been pushing me that way the whole time anyway. So I ended up just drifting on top of that shelf. And sure enough, all the fish were just stacked right there in that 10 foot range. And uh, yeah, just kind of threw the whole arsenal at them. Everything from the spoon uh, ended up throwing a crankbait at the end to get my big bite. Um, yeah, just threw everything I could and, until they stopped biting type thing, you know? So it, it sounds like you, you got a nice school of fish or a nice group of fish that were staging up for spawning soon. I that, think, that's what it sounds to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the first, the first group of bass that you got on the chatterbait or you targeted on the chatterbait, it kind of seems like from what you're describing, and again, that's I like to share knowledge and maybe this will help out some other people. And you let me know what you think um, you saw. But it sounds like that first group of bass that you targeted with the chatterbait, they were kind of like just nipping at the, at the tail end of that chatterbait. It was more of a maybe spawning bass. They were just, because by the size of it, you're saying they were like 20-inch bass. So that makes me think those are big females or... Um, kind of getting ready for spawn they're out maybe they're already at their beds um, and they're just kind of like not committing to eating just kind of like uh, you know being aggressive um, towards annoying fish you know they don't want you know more of a defensive mechanism right they're just trying to scare off any potential predators for their eggs that's what it sounded like do you do you feel that's what happened with those at, at the beginning yeah, absolutely. I think they were 100% just guarding their territory and kind of like staking their claim. And so anything that got close, you know, they were trying to basically just, you know, how uh, during spawn, you know, if you're bed fishing, they'll pick up a bait and just run yeah. it, you know, two, three foot away and drop it. You know, that's almost what they were, they were kind of doing. Yeah. And maybe they weren't doing it that much because of the, you know, it's a chatterbait. So they, you know, versus throwing maybe like a, a weightless fluke, well, they'll just hold it and throw it. A chatterbait is going to be harder because obviously it's going to move faster and all that. Um, did you recognize that as an issue? And that's why you decided to say like, okay, this is spawning bass or let me just move. They're not interested in feeding. Let me just move. Did you recognize that immediately or was it something else that made you make that change? Yeah. I mean, uh, I ran that uh, pattern probably, uh, you know, first thing in the morning until about noon. And it, I just wasn't, it just wasn't paying off enough, yeah. you know? And then plus you got, you know, a hundred other guys on the water. Uh, a lot of guys are fishing some of the same, uh, stuff kind of, 
no, like nobody was on top of each other, but still you, you couldn't hit any fresh fish. And I think that them being fresh and first couple lures that they saw, that was kind of like the big deal. So I ended up abandoning it just because I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to catch, you know, a hundred inches shallow with all the people on the water. I think they were there. I think, you know, if you had the lake all to yourself, yeah, you could have stayed shallow and you definitely could have caught a hundred inches. That's interesting because that, that's where experience in tournament fishing comes. And that, that that's a big difference, right? When you talk about experience in fishing for yourself for fun and then experience in managing a tournament. And that's two different things. You can be a great angler, but to manage situations like you just said, you're out on the shallow water, there's other anglers there, the fish are more pressured. That changes your game completely because now it's not about catching fish. It's adapting and catching the biggest five fish. And that, that's a really interesting point. And I've, and I've slowly learned that. There's, there's a learning curve from being able to catch fish to being able to catch winning fish on a tournament. You know, a good, good fisherman, a good kayak angler will catch you five fish. A good tournament angler going to get you those five biggest fish. And and I think on this tournament, you can see that. I mean, when you look at the leaderboard, just like yourself, guys that no longer, no, I'm sorry, not long, that's not what I meant to say. Guys that not just know how to fish, but how to manage a tournament, right? So you guys not just know how to catch five fish, you know how to target those big fish. Because it could have been easily, any any unexperienced tournament angler like myself would have said, well, I got three bites, it's early on, maybe I can get something out of it, I just need to work on it. Versus an experienced tournament angler would say, this is the situation, a lot of anglers here on the water in this section, I need to move out and find something because I'm not going to be able to catch the numbers that I need. Um, and we saw that a lot of, out in this tournament, I know a, a lot of anglers got a, a nice you know, 70-inch limit right off the bat. But that's not what's going to win you the tournament. And that's a big difference, you know, from being a guy or a girl that knows how to catch fish versus a guy or uh, girl tournament angler that knows how to catch the biggest five fish. When you look at the names, going back to that, Caleb Helbig was there, uh, Timothy Rodman was there, all of you guys that I know, and there were other names of there on the, on the top of that list. I'm just not familiar with them, so I can't speak... Um, as to their tournament knowledge. But I know you, I know Timothy, and I know Caleb, and I know you guys are experienced and know how to target those five fish. And I think that's something that that comes with time. Me personally learning, being in my second year of third year into tournament fishing, that's something that I'm like, okay, you know, I can catch five fish. Now can I catch the biggest five fish? That's a big difference. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, I think it just comes with a little bit of experience. Uh... I think I'm on my fourth year uh, fishing kayak tournament. So, you know, I've been able to watch some of the, the great guys go out there and, uh, you know, consistently place in the top. And generally they're doing something a little bit different than the crowd. You know, yeah, you can kind of follow the crowd. If everybody's going to beat the bank, you know, to catch five fish. Yeah, you might have a, you know, a medium-sized limit. But the guys that find that um, – you know, that outlying pattern, you know, that nobody else is really fishing and then they can duplicate it in multiple spots. That's generally what gets them five good fish. 
Yeah, that that is that's something that you can't learn overnight. I don't care how much many YouTube videos you want, because it's gonna change in any particular lake. Um, that that strategy is gonna, you know, it's not gonna translate to every single lake that you go to, and, and it comes with the pre-fishing, the knowledge, and all that. So that's great information. What is it about a power plant lake that you target versus a non-power plant lake in winter? If if Fayette wasn't a power plant lake, how would that change your approach on that lake on, on the same time of year? Yeah, I mean, uh, if it wasn't a power plant lake and we had, uh, you know, the same kind of conditions as far as like the wind direction and all mm -hmm. that stuff, I probably would have just left the, the shallow fish alone. I mean, I think, you know, there's a majority of people that do know that, yes, you can catch uh, shallow uh, fish in the winter, but you know, generally the bigger groups are going to be, you know, somewhere offshore. And I just say offshore as, you know, deeper than maybe 10 foot and a little bit off the bank. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, so for Fayette, ex especially, I would have just gone straight to some secondary points and just followed the points until I actually found a group of fish, um, you know, kind of judging how far back they are okay are they at the are they at the main lake or are they further back in the pocket on a secondary point or yeah kind of lost your audio for a second there. i think you might have gotten a call or something i think you're muted silas can you hear me Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Silas? Hmm. Yeah, working. Yeah, <laughs> I got two of you now. <laughs> I don't know why. Hold up. Oops. Let me remove. There we go. Got there, it. Yeah, I got a phone call and it booted me out. No worries, man. I'll just take a note of it. 19 seconds. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really interesting Um, how a power plant, like, you know, completely changes the game just because of the warm water. How close do you fish to the warm water that's coming up? Because that warm water, I mean, that that's coming like, I, how warm does it come out? come out like that's almost like 100 degrees right yeah yeah i mean it's really warm um i i never fish over there because it is kind of a, a popular spot um to fish by the discharge um but i i want to say I've, I've been back there before might have been like 70 80 degrees on a day like sunday wow uh, and the dead of winter yeah in the dead of winter and i mean like i said a lot of guys fish over there so i just i just leave it alone you know once again, I always try to find something that's not very popular, <laughs> kind of my own pattern so I can stick on it and, and really uh, be thorough in my approach. And that's that's worked out for you from what I've seen over the last, I mean, at least from since I started following you on tournament scene um, when you won, I think it was Fairfield that you won last yeah, year? Yeah, second, but yeah. Yeah, Tim. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. T Timothy Raman, who was using your Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. Did he use your Wi-Fi this year? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> hey, but whenever he got back to the ramp at Fayette, you know, yeah, uh, he's like, "How'd you do?" And uh, 
I, I didn't want to tell him. And he said, well, I got 98. And I was like, well, that's it. You know, I was trying to <laughs> one-up him after Fairfield. <laughs> you know, he ended yeah, up know- third at Fayette, so. Yeah, and I've heard that he struggles a lot in Fayette. I, th- I think that's what I saw in the comment section. So I don't know if uh, how true that is, but it might have been something I, that I'm, he struggled with. I, I know we go out there and fun fish a lot, and he's always wrecking them. So, it, you know, it's just one of those things where you have that one tournament lake that just kind of gets you. I mean, really, Fairfield is that way with me. I can go out there a lot of times and, and catch a good bag. A uh, tournament rolls around, and it's like I struggle. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> yeah, that's another um, great lake. I know we talked about it last year um, on the Texas Wildlife Department. Which, you know, when you look at the what the they say it's good, excellent lake. I think their table is excellent, good, average, and below average. And they always put like Fairfield on like below average bass fishing lake. And it's funny because it's not. It's totally not. Somebody's paying for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope they keep that as yeah, keep that. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's some big some big bass at that Lake Fairfield. Um is Fayette your favorite lake to fish? Or do you uh, have another favorite? No. Um it, it's a lake that I like a lot. It's probably at least my top five. I would probably say that Fairfield's probably my first. Uh, uh, man, there's so many good lakes. I mean, I like Lake Fork, uh, Nacogdoche. Yeah. Uh, anything with a little bit of grass and maybe a little bit of timber, I like it a lot, you know. Nice. Um, what's your least favorite lake on the tournament schedule this year for oh. the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League? Uh, my least favorite, which I'm kind of lucky I'm going to have to skip, but uh, is the Sabine River is on the – Oh yeah on the tournament schedule this year, but, uh, my wife's pregnant and due in May. Oh, congratulations. Right in that time. So nice. That's good. That, that's going to be your personal best now. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. First child. No, this is uh, my third. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Sabine river. I haven't fished that word now. Sabine river. That's that actually fits Lake fork, right? No, uh, that's the, uh, San Angelo, I think. San Angelo, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Sabine is uh, like on the on the coast of uh, Louisiana and Texas. No, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's brackish water. You know, it has salt water and fresh water in it. That's going to be interesting. I think tidal waves are going to play a big part. Like how close to, uh, on that lake, the territory that's going to be allowed to fish, how close is it to uh, to the coast? Uh, I think it's be pretty more... darn close. Uh, I haven't really looked at the the boundaries just because I kind of knew I was already going to miss it. But um, yeah, I, I know it can be real tough fishing. <laughs> so yeah, it could be. I can see somebody like Dustin Nichols, who's very familiar with that area, um, play a big role on. Oh yeah, he's on the probably. I feel like he's going to win it. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Dudu is. I I would pick him for favorite, but it, yeah, it's that's that's very different lake from what most of us here in texas are fishing well at least this side of texas i know you guys southeast texas you probably some of the anglers out there probably um used to fishing that area but yeah up here in north texas or even central west texas that's not something they're going to be familiar with um other than the local trails southeast texas kayak bass league what other local trails are you fishing or just that one uh yeah so um I'm keeping my tournament schedule kind of light this year. Uh, you know, like I said, I am having a newborn, so 
Uh, I tried to squeeze in as many as I could, but really it's just the Southeast Texas trail. Uh, I might make it to a couple uh, North Texas tournaments. Um, I'm going to do the bass event at Lake Fork uh, coming nice. up in February. Um, of course, then we have the, the Hobie uh, that's going to uh, be on Toledo Bend the second weekend in February. That, that also correlates with the Southeast Texas tournament. Yes. Um, so I'm going to make those, but uh, primarily it's just going to be Southeast Texas this year. Nice. So you're going to be fishing the Hobie? Yeah. Nice, man. I'm, I'm probably, I'm hoping everything works out good. God willing, I'll be there as well. That's going to be interesting. I just heard there's going to be a boat tournament there as well that weekend. Of course. Of course. So you guys, and then Bass Nation for Louisiana is doing the same thing. They're going to um, kind of merge it with Hobie, same as Southeast Texas, Texas oh. Kayak Bass League. So, man, that's going to be, that's going to be packed. Like, thank God it's such a huge lake, but... I'm wondering, I think I'm looking at, I'm already doing the study, studying maps. And I'm thinking this is one of those lakes where you might have to go to plan A, B, C, D, E, F, because there's, you you might think you have the sweet spot, but then again, you're going to have, you're going to have the guys from the Hobie BOS, guys from the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League, and guys from the Bass Nation, um, Louisiana chapter fishing. Although I think they're going to have to stay on the Louisiana side. And I have to ask Chris Morales because I wanted to do it in, in conjunction also with Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League. Kind of used to saying that. <laughs> Can't believe it. Um, but it, is it only on Texas side that you can fish for that um, to qualify for the Southeast? If I'm mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you can fish any side. I, I think the only uh, prerequisite is that you have to have a Louisiana fishing license if you yeah. belong on the Louisiana side. Okay, because I vaguely remember reading something about the rules and I thought it said that you'd only fish the Texas size. And for me, it was like, well, if I'm, if big thing is fishing the Hobie, if I find fish on the Louisiana side, then it's not going to call out, you know, work well, but if you can fish both sides of it, which I think you will, like you said, then that makes it different. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. That's going to be a fun tournament for sure. Yeah, for sure. A lot, a lot of big groups, uh, um, and a lot of a chance to, you know, meet a lot of people and kind of like grow and get knowledge and talk to other people and see what they find and all that probably it's going to be after the tournament, but <laughs> you know, a lot of great information can be shared afterwards, um, makes everybody better angler. What, what tournament or what lake are you lo most looking forward this year to fish? I mean, honestly, uh, even before the Fayette tournament, I, I was pretty excited about Lake Fork. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of I'm going with like a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, I'm not sure if you saw last year, but uh, last year for Lake Fork, uh, I started the day with like 80 inches and four fish. Um, you know, that was like all caught in the first hour. And then I spent about seven hours looking for a fifth fish and ended yeah, up being only like a 12 incher. So I, I ultimately I ended up in 12th place, but uh, but I had such a, a great start. If I could have got like a, I think a 16 and a half inch fish would have got me first, I believe. Maybe second, but yeah. Oh wow! No, it was man, it was a it was a tough tournament last year for uh, the Bass Nation in Fork. I know for me it was i know for for most texans other than guillermo gonzalez who i think was the only one that got into the top 10 
I think he got into the top five, something like 94, 96 inches. But that's usually that was the only Texan in, in the top 10. Nobody else came and came close. It was like you would expect that, you know, in the top 10, it will be more than half would be some, you know, from Texas, um, especially in Lake Fork. But it wasn't. And I think uh, that snowmageddon that we had, like, I want to say like a month earlier or maybe more, kind of like took everybody by surprise because none of us here in Texas are kind of used to fishing after such a big um, snowstorm. Um, and I think what we all thought was going to happen or the bite was going to be was probably the opposite. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of disappointing not seeing more Texans on that name, you know, being from Texas, if I'm not going to win it, I want to see, you know, my uh, brothers and sisters from Texas do well, you know, represent the, the state. But yeah, it was tough watching that one. Um, this year, it's going to be interesting because of the water level being so low. Um, I don't know if that's going to favor a lot of the local talents. Uh, I think it might, uh, especially for those that are fishing out there. Um, because now you can see a lot more. Now you're going to be familiar with spots where you're like, oh, that's what I used to see on the graph. You can actually see it now. Yeah, yeah. Get a good hands-on look at everything. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to be a maybe a – it's going to be tough for, like, most of the field. But I think that there's going to be a good group of people that really get on them good. Um, I think with the, with the lake low, I mean – the rumor is, you know, catching fish out of a barrel type thing, but I don't think it'll be that good, but maybe. Yeah, I'd, I've heard people say that. I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> For sure. No, and keep in mind that that, that lake is, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, other um, boat tournaments because there's always boat tournaments mm-hmm. in, in yeah. Lake Fork. I prefished it on a Monday for last year's tournament, and there was a boat tournament on a Monday. I'm like, it's not even a holiday. Why is there a boat oh. tournament on a Monday? <laughs> um, so, but the good thing about it this year, last year was kind of like where you expect the spawning bass, and I think you saw a lot of uh, crappy um, tour guides, um, you know, targeting crappy. I'm not saying they're crappy. Um, and there was a boat tournament that weekend as well i think now because it's not not expected to be spawning in mid-february i don't think we're going to get that much of a boat traffic and i also think because the water level is so low there's going to be access to some areas that we would have to share with a boat that now we might have actually to ourselves downside to that it's going to be a lot of people breaking their (laughs) their their um their torpedoes, their you know excise, their motor guides. If they're pedaling, I mean they're gonna be breaking their um, Hobie paddles uh, or pedals, um, their or their uh, old town uh, you know props uh, style of uh, pedaling. That that's gonna be a challenge to itself. So one end we I don't I think a lot of boat uh, um, anglers are gonna stay away from it just. Is they know the dangers of fishing in area, especially now it's so low. But yeah, I think anybody wants to make money, they can wholesale props for uh, Old Town and Hobie, and just have like a uh, sell them <laughs> at the shore yeah. at the boat. Yeah, I hadn't ordered two extra props. Uh, I'm rocking the Old Town autopilot this year, and went ahead and bought two props just for that tournament. Uh, 
I think it's going to be nice because you're not going to have boats maybe buzzing yeah. past you. You know, generally, if you get offshore on a, on those bigger lakes, you know, the boats like to buzz past you. I think maybe with all the timber out, maybe you won't. Yeah. No, I agree. That, I think that's going to work out better. Uh, but yeah, if you like paddling instead of pedaling, this is your tournament. Because you don't have to worry about bringing your props or your pedals. Yeah, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Anybody with a question? So Drew Gregory with his question, kayak probably is going to win it like he always does. <laughs> That's going to be cool. Um, other than that, Lake Fork, what, what else? What are your goals for this year? Is it an angle? You already got your <clears throat> tournament. You're going to be fishing the Hobie BOS. You're going to be fishing the Fork. I imagine those are two tournaments you really would like to win and have it as a goal. Like for you, that's actually an attainable goal with your um, pedigree as a kayak angler. Angler of the year is that something that you're realistically putting for yourself uh, uh, as a um, as a goal this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the Southeast Texas Angler of the Year is, uh, you know, there's a lot of good sticks uh, in that yeah. group, and uh, but I think with a you know a win already under my belt, maybe I kind of start starting off with the a good amount of points uh but i'm going to be pushing hard uh generally they let you drop one tournament which of course like i said i have to miss sabine so um so it'll be hard i have to basically compete well in every single tournament to to actually capture an angler of the year but you know i'm gonna give it my all nice and if you qualify for either um the classic uh uh, for Bass Nation or the TLC at Hobie BOS, you think you'll be able to get, I mean, it's further down the road. I don't even know if you would qualify for Bass Nation. I think you qualified for 2023 Bass Nation Kayak Series Classic. Wouldn't be the one for this year. So assuming, let's say you win or you, you did enough to qualify, that would be, I think, in 2023. If you're doing, if you land in the top three in the Hobie BOS, then you qualify for theirs in November in Cattle Lake. Um, would you think you'd be able to attend that, assuming you get into a Yeah, I mean, uh, th that's definitely the goal. I mean, if I can qualify for the uh, Tournament of Champions yeah. uh, for Hobie and stuff like that, yeah. I mean, uh, the downside is I basically only have one tournament to do it on Toledo Bend uh, for Hobie. Um, as far as the Bass uh, Championship, I did qualify for the 2022 Championship, I think. Oh, nice. In March. Um, it's kind of up in the air if I actually make it or not, though. It is about a 15 hour drive, never yeah. been there type stuff. So, um, but, uh, but yes, if, if I can qualify on bass or on a Lake Fork for bass for the 2023, I think next year will be a year that I can actually compete in a little bit more, uh, national tournaments, uh, you know, not having a newborn or anything. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I know there's a lot of stress and a lot of things that going on um, that you have to take consideration with the expectation of the new arrival. How do you manage your time, uh, you know, with your work family time to actually being putting time on the water? How hard is it for you to fish or put time on the water? Uh, I mean, that's a pretty uh, good question there. Um, so I actually just went, uh, back to being self-employed in October, at the very end of October, uh, November, um, you know, me and Tim have Volta Lithium. Uh, we've been pushing batteries. We, we build them right here uh, in this office right here. Um, so this year we kind of took a leap. We ordered a whole bunch of stock 
and hopefully that should be arriving like within the next couple of weeks. So, um, so right now I'm kind of just waiting on that. Uh, I do, I've worked as a mechanic, uh, body shop type stuff all my life. So I'm kind of filling in the gaps with mechanic work until I can actually push Volta as hard as I need to, you know? Um, but as far as the balance there being a little bit self-employed right now, I am able to kind of sneak off in the middle of the week, you know, while the kids are at school, the wife's working and that kind of makes it a little bit easier. Uh, you know, last year I worked at a body shop and we had a hailstorm come through. So it was pretty much, you know, boss of the wall yeah. the whole year. Uh, so I wasn't able to fish as much, but, but this year, um, definitely able to get out there during the week is a, is a big plus. Yeah, man. Having, uh, that flexibility, that's something that right now decisions are being made here in my household with my work, because right now I'm not this week with somebody COVID, but prior to that, it's like working 16 hours, not 16 hours. I'm sorry. I said you're like 12 hour days, um, you know, three or four times a week. And, um, they actually wanted me to take a training at midnight. I'm like, you know, for two weeks, I'm like, you think I'm going to be spending 10 days without actually seeing my family? Because the time I go, I get home, they're sleeping. The time I get up, they're already gone. I'm yeah. like, that's not going to happen. And we're at that stage now where it's like, I've lived more than half my life. And, you know, to just it's take too much, to spend too much time at work and less time with my with the wife and the family and everything else that I love, like kayak fishing. So, man, props to you for starting your own business. I hope it works out. You said you're going to do like Volta batteries. Is that correct? Yeah, it's called a Volta Lithium uh, is oh, okay. a brand name. Uh, yeah, we already sell lithium batteries. Um, we're kind of changing nice. up our style a little bit this year. But um, like I said, once again, we, we actually build them right here. Of course, every, everybody has to buy their supply from china yeah. india and pakistan and everything like that but we actually get hands-on with it and try to build a product that you know maybe matches everybody else's price but you're getting more bang for your buck because you know it's it's me and tim you know we're, we're looking at every single you know spot weld on the battery we're putting it all together you know the the time and quality that we're putting into these packs i think is is going to be the big kicker for us compared to, you know, maybe most of the other suppliers just buying a pre-built package from, you know, they'll say engineered or designed. Uh, yeah. They're just buying a, you know, some factory Fancy words. Is, yeah. is making it and sending it over here and they have no idea how it works internally, you know? So, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted. No, I was done. <clears throat> no, that's interesting. And, in you know, for those out there listening, if you're looking for um, lithium battery, go check them out because I think it's something that to consider when you're buying anything, but especially mentioning about batteries is like, it's going to be you and Tim, which kind of like hands of approach to um, each battery, you know, building each battery versus companies that mass produce. When you mass produce, I don't care what company you are, quality suffers. That that's just the way it is. You know, it's more about putting product out there and getting income than actually building a a quality product, uh, which um, the the return is going to be minimal. But because it's your your uh, operating costs, it's simpler. You know, just you and and Tim. You know, you don't have to worry about 
you know um other things that big companies have to worry about it yeah yeah so it's you 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 gives you more liberty to focus on the product and build the quality product and i I think anybody that's out there listening looking for lithium batteries there you go now it's going to be lithium batteries that could work for a kayak you know to power your taquito your ix3 your um your um fish finders yeah so uh our current batteries that we sell uh our their their peak voltage is actually 16.8 volts which we recommend that for electronics um now you might say well you know almost 17 volts you know how does that work well if you go back and check with all the manufacturers uh, everybody allows uh, up to about 18 volts to power your electronics now this is kind of uh, this is a hearsay uh, thing here but uh you know i believe that Whenever you supply that little bit of extra voltage, you know, I'm able to maybe uh, turn up my gain a little bit more or uh, have benefits that maybe the lower voltage doesn't have. Once again, that's not proven in science or anything like that, but I believe it to be true. Um, The other part there is the higher voltage makes it to where, you know, if a, uh, let's say a Helix 10 uses uh, one amp an hour at 12 volts. Well, at 16 volts, it's going to use 0.8 amps, you know, so it's actually using less amperage. So you're getting more life out of it. So a 16.8 volt, 45 amp hour versus a 12 volt, 45 amp hour, the 16.8 will actually last, you know, about 25% longer. Nice. So. Yeah, you're looking to sponsor podcasts because I'm I'm a bit yeah, right. You just <laughs> I just need one for the fish finder, man. No I'm kidding. Yeah. But now we wish you the best with that, man. That's pretty awesome. That's great knowledge on um battery there. That's a little bit of nugget information right there that I would not expect to be getting. So props to you for sharing that information. There's something for my audience that they can take away when deciding to buy a battery and of course go check out voltage you have a website or a way to contact you if anybody's interested yeah voltalithium.com you can uh, find us on our website we also have a facebook page uh, generally if you send us a message it's going to be me or tim replying so uh, you know not some some random you know uh call filter or something like that you know it's us <laughs> no problem man. that's awesome Congratulations on, on, on building your own business, man, and um, moving forward and always count us, count with us here at Paddle and Finn and Bass Kayak and Beers podcast to help you in any way promoting your products. Be more than honored to help one of our own, not just in Texans, but kayak anglers, you know, build their business, especially when the business actually benefits the kayak fishing community. So props to you on that and we wish you the best moving forward. Now, Silas, I've gotten you for about 45 minutes or so. I know, like you said, you're a businessman um, and you're a family man, and you also like to spend time on the water. I don't want to take you too much of your time. Um, I want to give you a few minutes to thank who you wanted to thank and do your shameless plug. We already talked about Volta, but is there anybody else that any sponsorships that you like to thank, uh, family members, anybody else? Just take your time. Yeah, um, I definitely want to thank uh, all my sponsors, uh, you know, Kissler Rods, uh, as well as Exotic Rods. Um, you you know, got two rod sponsors. Wow. Two rod sponsors, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, that uh, that Kissler Z-Bone that I had, uh, you know, that jig bite from Sunday, it, it was just a, a little bit of a nip most of the time. And without a sensitive rod, I don't know if I'd have been able to feel that. And So I definitely give them props. Uh, Breakline Fishing Co., which is an apparel sponsor, 
uh, man, they're, they're always sending me clothes. Uh, can't, you can't fish without wearing the right, you know, sun protective gear. And, um, you know, that really makes a difference. Uh, obviously Volta lithium. Um, want to thank my family for, uh, being able to support me and, uh, you know, let me chase after my dreams. I, th- I think most of us out here have, uh, you know, played sports or whatnot throughout, uh, you know, high school and all that stuff. And once you get out, you know, it's just the big world, but, uh, most of us find love in kayak fishing and being able to actually chase after that. And, uh, definitely appreciate my family for supporting me. Uh, and yeah, thank you, uh, to all my friends and, uh, yeah, love all the support. No problem. And thank you for coming to the show. Glad to have you back again. Hopefully, you know, we'll get to talk to you again soon. And uh, for those out there listening, thank you for listening to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. Remember, go check out my sponsor, Douglas Rock. Go to douglasoutdoors.com.